And we're back. Josh Schaefer here on the DO Sportscast with Andrew Crane and Mitch Bannon to talk a little Syracuse men's lacrosse. The Orange are 4-0. Moved up to number one in the country earlier today. Yeah. Initial reactions on that. Did you guys think they'd be at number one? Angel, we'll throw to you first. I knew they'd move up after um, after Yale lost yesterday or on Saturday. I didn't know if it would be number two or number one because Penn State lost to Yale two weeks ago. And so I didn't know if Syracuse, a, a no-loss Syracuse would like leapfrog Penn State in the rankings. Um, I know fellow beat writer Mitch Bannon was very active on Twitter over the weekend, kind of trying to, to speculate on what would happen. Uh, and about 9 o'clock, a little before 9 o'clock this morning, we, we got the official word. Mitch, I see you're wearing avocado socks. <laughs> those are pretty impressive. Thank you. Have you had those for a while? Yeah, I got them just over a year. Yeah. Okay. Take us, through your, uh, take us through your Twitter speculation now. I just wanted to point out the avocado socks that the listeners can't see. Um, yeah, so uh, when we were watching on Saturday, we saw Syracuse win yet another game, their fourth of the season. And then the next day, just kind of scoreboard watching, and you saw UMass was up by, I think it was like 9-1 at one point. And you're like, oh, this is interesting. And then you check the Penn State game. And they were at some points losing to UPenn, and it was like a close back-and-forth game. That one went into overtime. Penn State ended up squeaking by. But at the end of the game, I was kind of doing some thinking, and I thought that Yale loss, uh, or Yale's, um, or Penn State's beating Yale was going to be less valued now that Yale was going to move down. And I thought there certainly was a chance that Syracuse could move up into the number one spot, as they did. As we just saw, I think someone pointed out, on Twitter. We won't name them because we saw the tweet get deleted. But uh, Syracuse really only has a quality win over Army, right? And nothing else. And they're kind of just benefiting from, from not losing to some extent, would you say? Yeah, I think that's like fair. But there are other undefeated teams that they're above. UNC's 5-0 and and Syracuse is a couple spots above them. So I think it's that Army victory, although it was like a scrappy, uh, gritty five or nine to seven win mm-hmm. i think people are kind of giving them credit for finding ways to win games where other top teams like yale uh, have failed to do so so there was an interesting kind of debate at the game on friday night about how good the syracuse midfield is hobart's head coach referenced them as maybe the best midfield in the country i wanted to ask you guys i'll give you two long poles so you can put two poles on two of the middies but you have to put a short stick on one midfielder who are you putting the short stick on, Andrew Crane? Wow. Yeah, this is tough. Um, I feel like you're putting the shorty on Trimboli. I feel like that might be a, a, a take from somebody who didn't really the know. The most him. accomplished scorer on the team in the yeah, last four but, years. But if you think about short it, stick on him, but, see what he but, can but, do. Y- yes, but like if you think about the dodging, he's he's not as explosive on the dodge as Curry and Tucker, and you want to pull on Curry and Tucker to defend those dodges. I feel like Trimboli's more of a cut through the lane and take a pass from like behind the the cage. I feel like that's where he gets a lot of his goals, or he like shoots them from far out. Um, I don't know, like if obviously if you didn't have that, if you could go with a scheme that didn't involve a shorty and that was legal, like that would be ideal against this midfield line. Um, but that's obviously not allowed, so I would probably pick Trimboli. It's interesting. I, I was going to give you pushback no matter who you picked. Yeah. So whoever Mix picks, I'll point out the flaw in that too. Uh, this is a super tough question because 
I think why Syracuse has been so successful this year is because you can't pull all those midfielders. And uh, and we saw last game Dordovic benefit because of that. But I think I would probably stick the short stick on Tucker just because I think he, he's been the least successful of them so far. And I think... Seven uh, points with a short stick on him on uh, Friday. Well, but Seven. before that, he only had four for the rest of the season against some, some subpar opponents. But yeah, there is, there is no right answer. But I think Tucker, he's going to get the ball at the top the most. But I think as we've seen, this offense isn't going to play out the way we maybe thought. And Tucker's not going to drive the offense dodging straight from the top uh, like he did a lot in his freshman season. So I think the ball's going to get to the wings, and that's not where Tucker is. So where the ball's going to be more is where you're going to want your pulls. It's an interesting debate, and I think there's a world where, depending on your personnel, you could pull Brennan Curry, or you could put a shorty on Brennan Curry too, right? If you have a fast, short-stick defensive midfielder that can run with him, that seems like it's half the battle. Do you think Peter Dirth could play shorty on one of those guys? I don't think he's fast enough. I don't know. It's a good question to ask those guys, how Dirth does on them in practice, right? Yeah. I know I've talked to Jamie Tremboli about it before, and he said that Dirth gives him a pretty good battle. Yeah. Which I could see. Because in a lot of Jamie's game is pretty straight for, straight down. You know what I mean? He'd be trying to kind of work past him with his body, you would think, to some extent. Mm-hmm. And like I don't know if Tucker could roll past him. But like like we were just saying, I think Curry's probably the worst matchup for Dirt. Just from just from pure speed. Yeah. Curry's fast. Yeah. The next game, this Saturday, they travel to Johns Hopkins. Johns Hopkins unranked this year. Then they'll go Rutgers and Duke all on the road, right? Three straight road games mm-hmm. while Carrier Dome construction starts. Yeah. Uh, Mitch, how do you think they fare over the next three games here? Do you think that they can go 3-0 and and stay number one in the country and this is a ranking we'll see for a while like we did in 2017? Or is this a fluke ranking with a tougher schedule coming up? I think we could easily be having the same discussion in two weeks. And it's, I think these next two games are games that Syracuse should 100% win. Uh, they might not if something slips up, but these are subpar opponents compared compared to Army. Probably even comparable to Hobart, who they took care of quite handily. Uh, I think the the big test is going to come against Duke. It's going to be the first like blue chip program they play, the first tough test. And if they beat Duke, we could see this Syracuse team. Like if they beat Duke, they can beat anybody because like Duke is is pretty equivalent to all of the top opponents they're going to play this year. Maybe not played like it thus far. But uh, I think they'll – I don't know if I want to predict they'll go 3-0 and or 2-1. and But I think if Nick Mellon is back for that Duke game, I think they go 3-0, and and I think he will be back by then. Him coming back feels huge for this team. I'm going to uh, disagree with that take, that if they beat Duke, they can beat anybody. I don't know. I don't think we really find out what this Syracuse team is capable of until that final four games – or f- the final f- – or the four times in five games when they play Notre Dame, Virginia – North Carolina and Cornell, who are all ranked in the top 10. Duke's ranked number 13 right now. I mean, that's going to be their first test, and on the road, that's a big, like, I don't know, like, how good are they, actually? But I think the final four, those final four games are where we really find out if this Syracuse team can actually stay number one, because I think they can go 3-0 and in this next stretch. I think they can, their offense is good enough to maybe, I don't know, make this melonless impact a little less hurtful until he does work his way back. Um, but I think once they return to the Carrier Dome on March, or they won't return to the Carrier Dome, what am I thinking? Once they play at Cicero North <laughs> High School on March 28th against Notre Dame, um, that's that will be like their first real test. And uh, fellow Daily Orange 
writer, Anthony Devundo, over in London. I was talking with him on the phone the other day. He said his friend from Notre Dame, or his friend who's a big lacrosse guy, thinks Notre Dame's a real deal. I don't know how much valid that has, but I don't know. I would argue that most teams at Syracuse will play down this final stretch of the real deal. Yeah. You know? So I, I think it's a, it's a good point. I yeah. think these might actually be, the next two games might be the two easiest games remaining on the schedule, maybe. Yeah, for sure. With the exception of Albany. But Albany you get. Albany could be good, or could figure it out. Yeah, I don't know. It, it's Syracuse lacrosse. Their schedule kind of never lets up. Um, real quick here, we'll do a final... Uh, What's one storyline that you guys are looking to see how it develops over those next couple of games that you think maybe hasn't been there or you've started to see and you think could be a big swaying point whether Syracuse wins or loses these games? So I mentioned earlier Nick Mellon coming back, and we've talked about that earlier in the season, so I won't, I won't keep going to that well. But I think the short stick game is going to be super interesting. I think we saw Peter Durth leave last game right at the end, so it looked like just like a minor pulled hamstring something pretty minor um but with Domi coming back after missing all of last season I think their short stick play they're both super athletic and I think that's kind of what you want with the short stick and we were talking about the importance of having to pull or choosing who to pull and so guys like Domi and Peter are going to be vital against these top opponents with some of the best attacks in the country because they're gonna have to go up against the other team's equivalent of a Brendan Curry or Tucker Dordovic. And when you have guys like Nick Mellon and Brett Kennedy at the end being able to kind of shut down other teams' top attacks, that third option is going to be essential to shut down as well. Andrew, what do you got? I'm going to go with the consistency of Drake Porter as they continue to face top attacks, top, top offenses. We saw him make a career-high 18 saves against Army, and then he only had seven saves on 20 shots. On, or tw- seven saves, 13 goals allowed against Hobart. Um, and I know, Josh, you and I looked at each other at times and said, this is not the same Drake Porter that we've seen. Um, Hobart's attack is good, but it's nowhere near teams like Cornell. Like I was watching Cornell, Ohio <laughs> State. Yeah. I, they also played Sienna, Canisius, and yeah. Colgate. So, <laughs> But I think watching Drake's play over the next few games will be a big storyline um he's obviously kind of this this anchor of of the defense um and it's his job to make these saves especially one-on-one but he's also got to be able to read them from out far and that's where he kind of struggled as Hobart was you know taking shots what 10 15 yards out and, and kind of beating him easily he was not seeing the ball well so my pick's Drake Porter Andrew we're gonna we're gonna keep the mic with you and we're gonna do our 30 second sound off with a mental cross beat here ready Ooh. set Go. Wow. I am unprepared for this, even though I know that 30-second sound-offs exist. Um, I would just say that, oh, man, Kira Lewis got first-team All-ACC for the women's basketball. I know because so watching her kind of carry this offense, her job going into the season was to replace Tiana Moncacahia, who missed the season battling breast cancer. Kira did a great job of doing that, at least from what I saw. And, you know, now it's been five consecutive seasons with a first-team ACC. All right, Mick, you had 30 seconds to prepare for something that's maybe non-Syracuse sports-related. Hopefully you came up with that because that's kind of the point of the 30-second sound off here. Uh, Ready, set, go. Okay, so I didn't know it was supposed to be non-sports-related. I was going to talk about the women's hockey team going to Buffalo. Uh, I hear it's a lovely city to play in the CHA, <laughs> the CHA playoffs this weekend. But I will pivot to why uh, the Syracuse weather is absolutely ridiculous. I was told it would be like a terrible winter. It would be so cold and I would hate it. And it was like 
13 degrees Celsius. Yeah, I'm going to use Celsius on this podcast <laughs> today. And it was absolutely wild. I really should talk about Charlotte's brother. Yeah, you're right. Wow. <laughs> I really appreciated the Celsius reference. <laughs> Mixers from Canada for the listeners out there. Uh, this has been the men's lacrosse edition of the DO Sportscast. We'll be back in a moment where Andrew Crane will host the women's lacrosse DO Sportscast. And welcome back to the DO Sportscast. Andrew Crane here alongside our women's lacrosse beat, Roshan Fernandez, Alex Hamer, Tim Nolan. Um, we're here today to talk about, give you an update on the Syracuse women's lacrosse season. They are now seven games in, six and one record, most recently a 10-5 victory over the defending national champions, Maryland, on the road. Um, Tim, since you wrote the staffer from that game, I'm going to toss it to you. You want to inform our listeners about the storyline, little little added added emphasis on this game heading into it sure thing so it's funny i almost didn't come over here from newhouse due to uh travel and weather concerns due to the rain but i decided you know what i'll tough it out so the reason i mentioned that is this game was originally supposed to be syracuse's senior night alumni weekend and final game in the carrier dome but maryland informed syracuse and and athletic director john wildhack that they were not going to be coming. And they gave Wildback an ultimatum saying, look, we're not going to show up for this game. If you want to still play it, come down to Maryland. Head coach Gary Gates said, screw it. We'll go down to Maryland and beat you. And sure enough, they went down there on Saturday afternoon, played them at noon in College Park. The weather was like 35 degrees and windy, so it felt like the the lower 20s. And Syracuse beat them 10 to 5, really controlled the entire game. And it was a really impressive effort considering they had to get on a bus when they were supposed to be playing their senior day game. And then they go down there and beat the the defending national champions. They gave Maryland their first three-game losing streak since 2006. And that was in, you know, that, that carried over into the postseason. I mean, this is the first time they've had a regular season losing streak of three games in over two decades. Roshan and Hamer, last time we talked, it was right before Syracuse traveled to Evanston and played Northwestern, who knocked them out of the NCAA tournament last year. They beat Northwestern in that game, um, kind of their probably one of their bigger wins on this this young season. Through seven games, what are, you know, from the last time we talked, what is a new takeaway you guys have? Yeah, I would say since last time we talked, you know, I think the first thing that comes to mind with Syracuse and this team is obviously offense, Emily Harris, Chuck, being a big part of that. And they are 10th in the country in, in scoring offense. But what really I think has stood out since then is in the last four games, they've had two first house shutouts. You know, they have number five scoring defense in the country. I think just the fact that it's been a real team effort, whether it's been Asa Goldstock bouncing back from her benching or the fact that Sarah Cooper, who won ACC Freshman of the Year last year, is third on the team in ground balls. It just shows kind of what a team and strong defensive effort they've had. So I would say the defense has really stepped up since the last time we spoke where the offense was kind of grabbing more of the headlines at that point in the season. Yeah, something that um, Coach Gate had told us last week at Media Ops was that, you know, actually he says this every week, it's that um, you can ask him a question about, you know, Maryland's coming up, how like – what, how do you feel about the Maryland game? And he, every time he's going to say the same thing. It's a matter of whether the team can show up. And this season, so far, with the exception of the Study Brook game, of course, the team has showed up. And particularly against Northwestern, you know, um, that game, the defense showed up, you know, um, playing against a team which I think was averaging more than 24 goals a game on offense. You know, they held Northwestern to, I believe it was 11 goals. Um, that Northwestern win was huge for them, huge. I think Maryland, the defending champions, yes. Um, yes, it's a big win, and yes, it's important to, you know, hand them that three-game losing streak, which they haven't 
they haven't had in a long time, like Tim mentioned. But Maryland is a young team. You know, they've lost um, a number of their players from last season, and they're 1-3 and three now. So that Northwestern win is what I want to see more of going forward this season. We talked about on the men's podcast their spot in the ranking. So the men's team obviously jumped to number one this week. The women's held at number four. Is that a reasonable ranking for them? I mean, if you look at the rest of their schedule, Notre Dame is number two, North Carolina is number one. Both teams are undefeated right now. Um, Virginia is number 10. Duke is just outside the top 20. So they haven't, like, has Syracuse reached the point of its schedule where we can actually tell if this team is a top five team? Because, like, the men's side, if, you know, the ACC games can go either way. They're kind of just toss-ups. Um, Hamer, I'm going to toss to you first. Do you think number four is a, reason, a reasonable ranking for Syracuse? And, like, when do you think we find out what this team actually is? Yeah, so I, I do think number four is a reasonable ranking. Not because in that – I don't think – they definitely, by the end of the season, could easily be a top one or two team just based on the current form they've shown. But I think when you look at the fact that the three teams ahead of them are all undefeated, albeit they've played less games than Syracuse because the way the schedule shook out, I think it's a fair enough ranking, especially considering where they were ranked in the preseason. But I think when we'll really find out – where Syracuse is, is this kind of four-game stretch in late March and early April where they play Notre Dame at Loyola against Duke, against North Carolina. So they're playing, what, three of the top four right there. So I think that'll be the stretch where we really find out not only how good they are, but how quickly they can bounce back if, you know, the odds are they probably don't win all those games, but if they're able to bounce back in a short period of time. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with Hamer on that. I mean, um, just simply put, Syracuse's team that that's lost one game. The three teams ahead of them have not lost, and so it's not fair to put, um, you know, to put Syracuse above you know, North Carolina, um, Notre Dame, or Loyola. But I do think that that four game stretch, which Hamer just mentioned, is going to be crucial, and it's a matter of if the team can show up for. Um, I think Tim said it was a matter of eleven days or thirteen days. Um, if they can show up on those consecutive games, you know, with very little rest, they've proved. They've proved well. You know, they played back-to-back games, what was it, two weekends back, mm-hmm. um, and they've showed that they have the fitness to do that and they have the depth off the bench. Um, but that four-game stretch is going to be huge for this team, and that's when we're going to find out what they're made of. Yep, definitely going to echo both of those sentiments. You know, that four-game stretch, particularly playing three, the top three teams in the country in 13 days, is going to be really big. But I also think that whole road stretch in general where they play – you know, in 27 days, you're playing, uh, what is it, six games on the road. And then you go to Christian Brothers Academy to play number one North Carolina, who I think is the best team in the country. I think we can all agree on that, uh, hands down. I think that uh, Loyola may falter, um, and, and so so might Notre Dame. But I think as of right now, North Carolina is the most tested team in the top five. And, you know, that that road stretch is going to be really telling. That being said, I was really impressed with how Syracuse handled themselves at both Northwestern. That was their first big road test. They did very well in Evanston. And then on short notice had to go to Maryland and they took care of business there as well. Maryland is one in three. They are not Northwestern and they're definitely not a North Carolina. So, you know, that road stretch is going to be telling. But I'm cautiously optimistic they'll go three and one in that four game stretch later on that they mentioned, if not four now. Last question, just quick numbers. Um, you mentioned the six games on the road coming up. Um, just give me give me a record for how they do on those six games. Sure thing. Just, just one number. Yep. One number? Yeah, just give me a number. How about give you a record? 
record. Give you a record? All right, sounds good. <laughs> so we're, we're talking about this six-game stretch going from March 8th, starting Sunday in Charlotte against Virginia Tech, going to April 4th against Duke in Dallas, Texas. A lot of travel going on. I think we calculated, what, 9,000 miles? All right, in this stretch, I'm going to say Syracuse goes 5-1. and one. One Tim, that was a lot longer than a record or a number, whatever you want to call it. Hamer, I'm also going to go five and one just because I think in this two game stretch against uh, at Notre Dame and at Loyola, they're going to slip up against one of them, but they really haven't shown that they're going to slip up in more than one. I wouldn't be surprised at all if they went undefeated there. You know, I'm, I'm gonna have to be a little bit less optimistic and go four and two, um, just because these this Notre Dame game and this Loyola game, you know, the number two and number three team in the nation are two days apart. Three days apart. Yeah. Good math. <laughs> That's why we're writers and not mathematicians. Um, finally, I'm going to toss this back to Roshan because he was the least prepared last time I did this. Um, our 30-second sound off. Roshan, you have 30 seconds. Anything you want. All right. So I'm going to talk about Classico because I had the chance to watch La Liga. Um, that what was that yesterday for the first time in a long time. Um, you know, a very impressive Real Madrid side. But I didn't. Okay, it was Vinicius Jr. who scored the first goal, a scrappy goal, you know, beat Ter Stegen at the near post, didn't like that goal, didn't like his Ronaldo celebration, liked that even less, you know, with Ronaldo sitting in the stands, I thought that was, that was a certain level of, of disrespect to Cristiano, though he says that's, that he's his idol, um, oh, and Crane says I'm out of my 30 seconds, so I'm going to hand it off to Hamer. Yeah, you know, I'll be a lot quicker with mine. Uh, I think a lot, of, a lot of talk this weekend, obviously, with Tom Brady, Julian Edelman, Jimmy Fallon in the Carrier Dome, but just I think Tom Brady's staying. Wow. That's a hot take. Hot takes only on this podcast. Can we get a Moe's on Marshall Street, please? Or just anywhere near campus? Because I love Chipotle, but at the same time, Moe's is so much better. And Chipotle said they had queso blanco, but when I went in last night, they – didn't give me case of Blanco. So I side with Moe's better than Chipotle. Roshan sticking with sports. Hamer hot takes and NFL free agency. Tim Nolan wants a Moe's. This has been the DO Sportscast.